Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to the 115th Church Mag Podcast. Worship service is worship service. You could hit a CD and everybody just sing with the CD or not. It's still just the same amount of worship for me. Understand with what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. Don't blindly embrace and use technology just because it's there. It's cute that you think that uh, churches go, go acoustic for Sunday morning service on Easter. I just realized that last week was the 114th episode, but I said 113th. <sighs> Counting is hard. If you enjoyed the Church Mag Podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. You can also tell your church tech friends about us and subscribe many different ways. Just visit the Church Mag Podcast page at churchm.ag. That's churchmag, churchm.ag forward slash podcast. This week we asked the question, when is there too much tech in church? If you'd like to join the conversation and tell us your thoughts, use the CMAGCast hashtag on Twitter or email us at podcast at churchmag. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to an impromptu episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Guys, I have a question for you. At what point does all of this tech create more problems than it solves? And how do we safeguard against that? I know, just off the top of my head, but we did just get done recording an episode about uh, vacations and having B-teams and subs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, look it up if you haven't heard it on the Church Meg um, website, on the podcast. Look for it. It's there. And as we're talking about, as we were talking about that, it got me thinking about the fact that, you know, we, we have the microphones and the lights and the projections. And then, Jeremy, you told a cool story about things not working right or somebody was missing, whatever. And they got on an acoustic guitar, they pulled out the hymnals, and they had a beautiful service in that simplicity. And it just made me think, like, wow. Are we overcomplicating things? I mean, think about the Easter service and the Christmas service. What's the one thing that we always do if it's a Easter morning sunrise service? It's all acoustic. It's all let's just be together and sing with just our voices and maybe a guitar or the Sunday, the Christmas light vigil. It's everybody just singing nine times out of 10. It's it starts with the band and they very quickly cut off and it's just the entire voice is singing. It almost feels like not using a technology piece is a novelty. It's a that's a special situation where as opposed to when technology first entered the scene, that was the special situation. It's cute that you think that uh, churches go, go acoustic for Sunday morning service on Easter for the early my, morning service. Mine do. Well, we, so we have a cemetery in town and, um, they booked, uh, they booked various churches to play sunrise service uh, on Easter. And, and it's probably 2000 and pardon, 1998, they booked us. To play the sunrise service, and they haven't asked them to come back since. No, <laughs> they haven't. They haven't. Oh my god! We gosh. carried everything out there. <laughs> well, you we said the date. Everything. I was like, thought, oh, this would be a funny joke. Yikes! Ouch! We brought a drum set. All our guitars, our bass. We brought out an electric uh, a keyboard for the piano. We brought out a Hammond B three organ and Leslie. Well, we, Eric, we officially have your answer. That's when it's too much time. No, it was yes. awesome. We woke the dead, man. Literally. Okay. People were sitting up going, hey, guys, can you tune it down a little bit? I'm trying to get some rest in peace here. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was, it, was, it was awesome. Awesome worship time. But it was pretty. The cemetery is like, what did we, what did we ask for? Cause I'm pretty sure we didn't ask for this. But it was great. 
people in the, people in the houses nearby were like, buy a house near the cemetery. They said it'll be quiet. They said ah, uh, there's no houses around there. It's too spooky. But anyway, um, we I, I it's. You ask a great question, Eric. I've actually been dealing with this off and on over the past two or three years. There's moments where I'm like, do we really like when people are panicking, like, oh, we don't have a we don't we don't have our third greeter. I'm like, do we really need a third greeter? Because it's more than just technology. We right? make oh. we make Sundays a production. Yeah, we have to assign you know? our our church is so unfriendly, we have to assign people to be nice to people when they walk in. <laughs> so I, I will say this. I think that this conversation comes up in three different spots. Budgets, whenever you need to request new technology, when you get volunteer training, as you had said, Phil, and then just in the very special but last minute moments where you can't organize something like this. I'm thinking about whenever we had done a men's Bible study in college and typically we had some kind of big to do some big production for these type of things. And we decided last minute because I was going to be going into uh, some missionary training and another guy was going to grad school that we just decided, let's grab a guitar. Let's go down at the pitch black midnight uh, awning where we were just sitting in there and there was nobody alive except the frat guys. And that was okay. And we just played a guitar. Someone brought a flashlight, read some scripture, and then we sang some worship songs and prayed on our own. And it's one of those things where it's like, the technology level was just completely gone, but the personal process for me, I can remember if I really sit here and think about it, every single college worship service that we would do. But for me to actually think about just off the top of my head, what was one that meant something? It was that one. It was that one where they would sit there and highlight all the guys that were graduating and the fact that people were just sitting there praying for each other. And you didn't know who you were praying for and the technology that was required for that was none. And I think some sort of value that, especially in the normal everyday process, when things break and things are lagging behind and, and it's just a little bit frustrating or we see the new WWDC and we want that next shiny thing. Yeah. And, you know, um, now I, I understand that architecture is a form of technology, but I will say that when you, when you hear um, singing in old cathedrals, it is so amazing because you hear the people the people seated in the congregation you can hear them you can hear every you know you can hear every one of them and it's an amazing sound the voices you hear the voices now if you look at modern contemporary worship what i'm i'm afeard too many churches have become it is such a full-on production that it isn't the congregation singing it's an audience observing something going on and in in instead of it be creating this it, 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 i feel like the pendulum i'm not saying it's bad i mean clearly we're church mag we don't think that this tech is bad Indeed. i'm just wondering if sometimes we've let the pendulum swing too far in that direction and it is such a, a production it's yeah. it's um it is a worship con- concert where people stand and observe and they don't enter in. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, can you blame them? They can't even hear their own voice. But see, no, no, I, I, I disagree a little bit on that one there, Eric, a little bit. We have found that when it's quieter in the room, people sing less because they can hear themselves and, and they get nervous. There's a balance. But I, I think, too, part of it also, um, we recently... Uh, sort of dimming our lights during service. So like we've got a, 
We've we've got a great building, but it was it wasn't built by people with ministry and mindset. I mean, I mean, they built it for ministry. But they don't, they built it without knowing how to minister in certain areas. So, like, it was these people who were faithful to the church, but they designed it and built it for just general blanket vanilla use. So, our lighting grid is an industrial commercial lighting grid like you'd find at a Kmart. So it's 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 dimmable, but you can only dim it in in, in sections, not in like rows from the back, from the front to the back. So I went up there this I think last summer and created some lighting settings. And so uh, we start off service. Um, we dim the lights for an opening video for announcements, and then we raise them up for uh, for worship. And then we they but they they raise up only so far. They're they're dimmer than the opening than the lights were before before service started. And then during this, the end of the first song, beginning of the second song of worship, we dim them again. And we, we now have added some LED lights to our stage. And someone said, are we creating a, 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 we, we doing, are we doing a concert here? They go, no, we're creating atmosphere. Right. And th- this is my, and this is my question because I, I see both sides of that so clearly. Oh, totally. And so, but no, what I, do I don't see clearly is the line that separates the two. I, I, I'm getting there. I think, I think, I think I know where it's at. And I, I think we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe I do for us. And you, and well, if you can, don't, I'm sure Jeremy will point it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll fix it for me. But anyway, I think I think for us, we, when we first started doing this, we saw people, more people begin to enter into worship. Now we're Pentecostals, so for us, entering into worship is singing and raising your hands and closing. Not everyone's going to do that. That's not everyone's expression of worship. That's fine. But for us, we saw an increase in expressive worship. And doing that because by darkening the room, by elevating the, the, the volume of the music, people felt comfortable being more expressive. They could sing louder. They could raise their hands because they're not on display. The lights were really bright. It felt like you were on display. And I think it's a little bit of that. Now, the problem we run into sometimes is for other people, though, that's not helped. And those people have gotten caught into a rut where, like you said, they're part of the audience and the, and the worship leader is no longer the worship leader for them. He's the surrogate worshiper. He's worshiping for them. And that can happen. Right. Because, because the bright, because the brightest, that's where the brightest lights of the room are. Exactly. And so I think that's where, that is where we have to, I think, well, we've, 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 do, we've been doing a lot more teaching on what it means to be a Christian where every message we get into kind of, we're trying to go back to the roots of things. And I think that's one of the issues we're going to have to circle back around in. What does it mean to celebrate, to worship? And how do we do that best? And we've we've we hammered that pretty pretty hard last year. And this year we're focusing on some other elements. But I think that's one of the things that for us um, in this new age of um, where the church is not the loudest voice on philosophy and theology, we're just one voice in the in the crowd. We've got to be explicitly clear that you don't come here to to watch and observe. You come here as a culmination of worship. And I think that's the line, Eric, is that when Sunday morning stopped being a culmination of private worship and started being the surrogate, the surrogation of all worship. So like instead of worshiping in your own homes, you would come on Sunday morning and worship there as your only worship time of the week. Eventually that gets tiresome because you're, you're, you're revving up. You're going to rev up. You're going to rev up for an hour and a half of worship and then you're done for the week. Kind of like studying your Bible. Only doing it on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I, I will say that I think I disagree with that to the point of, for me, I'm a atypical person in the process in the sense that I worship service is worship service. You could hit a CD when everybody just sing with the CD or not. It's still just a same amount of worship for me. Whereas when I get that one-on-one interaction, if the worship leader does not say, go shake five hands with someone, I kind of freak out because I'm like, I don't, I haven't connected with anybody. What's the deal? What's going on? Not that I like to socialize because I'm introverted to the T, but I know everybody in my church. And so I feel like if I don't get that relational time, that's important to me. And I don't know if necessarily cutting the worship service piece out of that worship leader makes that much of an effect for you, Phil. That's great. And I love that, but I don't know if that's the end all be all. I will say I have a more philosophical answer to this question. For me, it's as soon as the tech is required to do worship, that's when it's become a problem. For me, if you had a blackout because you're living in California or just someone broke the fuse and it's not a security risk, I don't want to say that, but if you have no technology and it's not a security risk and you have to cancel church service, that's when it's a problem, for me at least. I, I would... I would add even a little bit more to that caveat, and that would be that you have a hard time making adjustments when you can't do something technically. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we, the freak out moment. Instead yeah. of, and if the sound guy isn't showing up, or the slide guy or the slide computer quits working. Instead of there being panic, if people could are able to be like, "Hey, no problem, we're going to do this." Right. That to me, that's. I think you're just really, you're really doing some things right if that's your your response yeah we we had a power outage uh last summer actually and we the only problem we had is that our sanctuary is interior so there's not a lot of direct lighting we opened up the back doors and it was still just bright enough outside the front doors we got some ambient light and we had service in the dark Right. We would have to have our service outside because it was an old movie theater and one door open wouldn't help. So I get that you might have to change locations, but I think that as long as you can provide security for your people, because that's important, um, if you can do that and you can have a worship service and if you can't and you have to cancel, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, And and to to reinforce, because I don't want to come off like I'm against you know, contemporary worship or anything. And what Phil was saying about the lights dimming, it's interesting because in um, in lower lighting situations, your your eyes naturally, your pupils naturally dilate and they get bigger. And that creates this, this thing that goes on in your body physiologically where you are more engaged with what you're doing. That's why the idea of a candlelight dinter, dinner being so romantic, it's, it's, it's actually scientific that it's more romantic because you're more engaged with that person because you can't control the fact that your eyes are more dilated. And so you, when you have a church service or worship service, when you have the lights dim, I understand the whole like atmosphere and and that's where like like one of you guys said you know getting to the root of why we do things instead of being like oh we're making it like a concert or we're making it like this maybe maybe that's part of it as well what we're doing is we're creating an atmosphere and here's why your your eyes become more dilated and we're just helping everybody become more engaged with what's going on we're making it easier we're creating less less hurdles for people to become engaged yeah. less distractions i yeah. think the idea of well you're making it more like a concert that's no you're you're missing the point why do concerts do that because it, it, it creates a moment and it it reduces your field of vision so you're not looking around at people which is the biggest problem for church folks what's this or so-and-so doing exactly no, who cares it's exactly. about you and jesus no, right it's true now. it's true and i and but see again phil 
we're talking about the root. And I think that that maybe that's that's a big takeaway we can take from this in answering the question of when has tech when when is there too much tech. I'm like it's a, clearly it's a working title. <laughs> we title these after the fact. Um, and, and I will say this that I think that there's a there's a sharp contrast to what we're doing and what a luddite is. And for those that don't know, a luddite is someone that fears technology. There's a lot of people that will comment on church mag posts that say what you're doing is wrong. You use the word marketing for your church team. That's a terrible thing. Or you're wanting to use microphones and worship speakers. That's a terrible thing. That's a Luddite. And so we're not going into that realm because there's a reason that we had that church worship mentality where it feels concerty. It's because it originally was designed to be an evangelistic tool for people to come in because that's how they did things. If we go back to the original purpose of why people started doing that and understand the context of the situation instead of saying, oh my goodness, you're using the word marketing. I know what marketing is from my very limited perspective. That's a bad thing. That's a Luddite. And we're not going that route because we realize the original intent. Exactly. I, I think as church techs, we can walk away from this with kind of the big idea being you know, under, understand with what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. Don't blindly embrace and use technology just because it's there. Think about what you're doing. What are the roots? Why are we doing this? And if you don't know, ask somebody or find out, you know, and, and just become really purposeful and not just, you know, get not get in a tech rut. Maybe that's a good way to say it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, this may not make sense, but it just popped in my head, okay? And Jimmy, you probably probably heard this in your one of your psych or sociology classes, but um, there was this um, husband and wife. They were recently married, and they're at home. And it's, it's not the honeymoon phase, but you know they're they're not they're they're at home, and the wife's cooking a meal, and she's gets pulls a ham out of the out of the fridge to prepare for, you know, put in the crock pot or I guess, or whatever for, or put in the oven that morning for after church that, that afternoon. And she cuts the end of it off and throws the end of it away, puts it in the pan, starts doing the stuff to it. And the husband says, why do you cut the end off and throw it away? It's, it's still good meat. And she said, I actually don't know. My mom always did that. So they call the mom and say, Hey mom, why do you cut the end off the ham? And you know, why do you, why do you do that? And she's like, well, actually, I don't know. It's, what your grandma always did. I don't know. And they call the grandma and grandma's and they say, Hey grandma, why did you always cut the end off your ham? And she says, Oh, I always buy a 10 pound ham and only had a pan big enough for an eight pound ham. And so I think for some, we, we, we develop systems in churches, technolo- technological and otherwise that exist to solve problems. But sometimes I think the problems go away on their own. Like we build things to work around people or situations that we can't solve another way. So we build workarounds and eventually those things fall away, but we keep the solutions. Technology in many cases is really a workaround over another issue. Why do you have microphones and amplifiers? Well, because the room is too big. People can't hear. Right. It's not built with those same cathedral. But if you um, build your church yeah. on the foundation of small groups that, fo- that, that get close to each other and act like small congregations – Technology is not a factor there. And so we, we, when we focus on technology as a solution to all of our problems, we forget that it's really a workaround of problems that may not exist anymore or may not be as big of a deal if we change the way we look at how we do church and what it means to be the church. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag podcast by visiting churchmagchurchm.ag. You'll find a link on the main menu. Until next week. 
and it's like well we did it before we're doing it now and it's changing so fast we're we're, we're creating all these solutions and we're using all these solutions so fast and we're, we're sticking with the old ones and it just kind of amplifies the entire thing but anyway I digress I think the boom shakalaka is probably fills so there <laughs> so there myself gosh so I just edited I just edited myself out in real time <laughs> you gotta talk about this Eric your words are important too you can have a boom shakalaka I know The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. All right, guys. You done good. You done good.